Welcome to The Working Ants with me, your host and coach, Rami Balut. I'm going to share with you secrets and strategies you only wish you knew years ago to accelerate your career today. This is practical stuff, no fluff. My mission is to create a new generation of leaders that brings out the best in people. This is where passions and profession yield profitability. Welcome to The Working Ants. Let's go ahead and do this. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. It is a pleasure to be with you. Um, and then today, we're going to be talking a lot about um, how it is that we think, the irrationality of our thinking. And in true fashion, I will start out with a quote. We are more often frightened than hurt, and we suffer more from imagination than from reality. And I'll read that one more time. We are more often frightened than hurt, and we suffer more from imagination than from reality. And this is a quote from Seneca, Lucius Seneca, the, uh, the Roman philosopher. And, and truly today, this is what we're going to be talking about. I'm going to be talking about a psychological term that is very much related to our careers. Um, and I think you know, when I, when I read, you know, a, a lot about cognitive distortions, which is what we're going to be talking about today, I think a lot about some of you, my clients, I think of myself, I think of many people that I've met along the way as a coach that uh, fall into the fallacy of cognitive distortions. And uh, to this day, some do not realize unless they are actually reminded just how much cognitive distortions influence their ability to be successful, influence their aspirations. And yes, this is very much like shooting yourself in the foot. And so we're going to talk about a few cognitive distortions, ones that I specifically find to be relevant to your careers. And we're going to talk about examples about those cognitive distortions. I'm going to mention a few examples from past one-on-one clients and past interactions I have had as, as a coach, of course. Um, and I'm going to talk about a few things to do to remedy them. Um, and these are not going to be things that are uh, non-practical in nature. Of course, a lot of a lot of cognitive distortions um, themselves are non-practical in nature. But you know, the the types of working towards or progress towards are not to be conflated with actual solutions. For some of you that are familiar with uh, cognitive distortions, uh, you should know that, you know, uh, this is obviously a a psychological term. Some people actually suffer uh, medically from cognitive distortions. Obviously, that is not where I'm going here. I'm talking about cognitive distortions as pure irrational thoughts, the pure fallacy of thought, pure distortion of thought that are very, very much negative and, and, and biased and skewed towards negativity. And, you know, as it relates to cognitive distortions, uh, which are these irrational thoughts, I'm going to talk about how they can have profound influences and impact, uh, not only on your ability to seek a new opportunity, but your ability to grow as a professional, 
right? And as a future leader, which is obviously my sort of like biased love towards you and where I want you to go uh, because of the influence and impact that you'll have. But cognitive distortions really impact your ability to grow as, as that professional uh, and whichever sort of vocation you may be, whatever sort of leadership position you aspire to be, or even if you're just an artist and you want to specialize more um, in what it is that you do and have the ability to use that to facilitate it to thrive in wherever you're going to be next. So this is sort of like your aspirational objectives. It could be a specialist, or if you're even an owner or an entrepreneur, this obviously impacts your ability to be successful in doing so. And so, you know, many of times, you know, over the years, I talk a lot about, you know, how, where our focus goes, you know, our energy flows. When we choose to focus on something, that's really where we dedicate so much of our energy. Um, and that's, you know, not something, you know, that is groundbreaking to actually say. That's simply just a fact, you know, where, where we focus, our energy typically goes. And, and here, uh, when it comes to cognitive distortions and this fallacy way of, of thinking, you know, what ends up happening is many of times is that our negative thoughts, these unfounded, really distorted negative thoughts and emotions become manifested, right? Um, and they manifest themselves in our fears. They manifest our, themselves um, in our hopes. And, you know, I'm not going to be focusing on fears so much here, and I don't want to conflate fears with negativity, but I want to talk about how this manifestation of these distorted thoughts actually tr will truly really just impact our day to day. And for those of you that are actively and aggressively seeking your next career transition, I just want you to be wary of them because, you know, there's only, you know, a, a limited amount of resources at times that we have the capability of generating. And last week, you know, I was talking a lot about, you know, how much this isn't so for a lot of things that we're passionate about. But when it comes to our career transitions, which are which are typically very unnatural types of behaviors that we need to generate, this is sort of where negativity takes hold um, in a very distorted way and very much impacts our ability to do good for ourselves by sort of like draining this focus and energy towards something that is not only negative, but in fact, it's actually completely not real. It's not true. It's not grounded by fact. It's simply grounded by a negative biased emotion that is actually really just pushing us back, right? So I'm going to talk about these cognitive distortions. I'm not going to talk about many cognitive distortions. I may mention about five today that I think are going to be quite relevant. The first one is overgeneralizing and, and how many of us, you know, overgeneralize um, on things time and time and time again. Uh, you know, this is like the availability bias that we typically have, which is, you know, I've, I've, I've interacted with, with, with these types of people before. I've been in an environment like this before. Therefore, you know, I have experience in this. Sure, that's absolutely true. In this particular instance, I'm not talking about overgeneralizing something that, you know, you may have gone through, which in fact may not be true at all, but overgeneralizing in a very, you know, negative way. Something that is beyond, you know, what is, what is factual or realistic. And so I get this, you know, all the time, which is, you know, interviewers, for example, Rami, you know, never really read my resume or, you know what, it, what what's the point of actually doing it? What's the point of actually writing a good resume when no one actually reads it? Or the converse of that, by the way, uh, for those of you that are positively skewed here, you know, you know, it's like everyone reads my resume and they don't give a damn about my resume. And so no one really gives a damn about me. And so, uh, or, or, or something perhaps along the lines of like, you know, people always focus on my stutter. 
they don't focus on anything else. They focus on my stutter. And as a result of that, I don't think I'm going to really do any good, you know, by scheduling a call with somebody uh, when, you know, the, all they're going to do is focus on my stutter or all they're really going to do is focus on my, exp on, on, on my appearance, right? That's, that's, that's all they're going to do. They're going to focus on my appearance. That's what's important to them. I don't feel like I look good at all. I'm not an attractive person and therefore I'm not really going to get a job anyways because of my appearance. I mean, these are obviously extreme ways of thinking um, in a very overgeneralized way that don't help us one bit, you know, or overgeneralizing like, who wants to hear from me? Why would anyone want to hear from me? Out of a sea of other people, why would anyone want to talk to me? And this overgeneralization um, in a very negative way, I mean, I would presume, you know, for everyone listening today, knows that this actually does not help us in, in any in any way this sense of like overgeneralizing about specific people or specific things is, is extremely hurtful, most importantly to you, right? And a part of overgeneralizing is this idea of labeling, right? Slapping labels on others or yourself, right? You know, I've met people like that in my life, Rami. I know exactly how they are and they are not the type of people that I want to be dealing with. Oh, I know who it is I'm going to be speaking with because I know someone who went to this particular school or works in this particular industry definitely thinks this type of way. No, I'm out. Or just, you know, slapping labels like on yourself on how it is that you feel. Yeah, you know what? I'm short, I'm stumpy, and I come across as irrelevant and my voice is not heard. Or, you know what? I've got a crack in my voice, or as I mentioned earlier, I've got a stutter and that's what they focus on and that's just what it is. And I'm just going to be realistic with that going in. Now, you know, many of times, let's just say some things are actually true. I think if someone actually did have a stutter or looked a certain way, for example, I think anyone can be biased in making generalizations. But overgeneralizing, right, overgeneralizing really does not serve anyone well. These, this idea of putting labels on things doesn't serve anybody well, most importantly, yourself. Because if we choose to focus on that, what else are we going to be focusing on, right? When we choose to come in in a deficient way, you know, well, what, what sort of room have we left for something positive? But let's sort of like, you know, push this up a notch here because overgeneralization is only sort of the beginning of these cognitive distortions, these fallacies of thoughts that skew in the negative way. Mental filtering. This is one that I'm guilty of myself. This is something, you know, where, you know, I, I've, I could run a webinar or I could have, you know, a masterclass on something um, or speak into to a group or, or a larger audience. And, you know, I, I'll get, you know, a, a ton of feedback, most of which is positive, but there'll be a few that are extremely negative, extremely negative and extremely hurtful. And, and what I choose to do at times, and I'm guilty of this, is, is focusing on that. And I think many of us do a lot of mental filtering, mental filtering on the negative. It's kind of like, you know, the, um, I don't even know, it's like that poem or song, you know, like, you know, do you see what I see? You know, it's like, but it's a negative thing. Like, don't you see what I see? It's, it's the negative. I'll focus on the negative. And, you know, and I'll, and I'll get this several times, you know, with, with my one-on-one -on -one clients where they filter out the good and they just stay with the bad, right? It's like that power of bad, you know? For example, like, you know, everyone thanked me after my call, but him. And so 
I'm focused on that person that didn't thank me after the call. Everyone wrote me back. She didn't. What does that mean? It means that I wasn't qualified for the position. You know what? I'm not even going to get it, right? Or for example, for those of you that are actively interviewing and we get a question that totally stumps us and we screw up, right? And so as a result of that question, where we absolutely screw up, we, we, can, we just focus on that question. We focus on how it is that we have screwed up, right? We, we go down this deep, dark rabbit hole um, and we focus simply on the negative, right? Rami, I had this interview, you know, well, how did it go? Well, there's that one question that they gave me. I just totally screwed up and I know it's going to impact my overall performance. I'm probably not going to get the role. Now, you know what? It may be true. But focusing on that and that negative mental filtering has become one of the most prominent ways why we fail, why we don't do good for ourselves, why we don't get where we want to be. This idea of just filtering all this good and then focusing on that one or two bad. And by the way, this is very, very much cultural as well, right? And I don't mean just cultural, meaning from where it is that you're from. You know, I mean like from your household as well. That is cultural as well. Some of us may have, you know, families or a culture that, that, that typically will just skew towards like, well, how can we improve? That's what's most important. How, how can we improve? The improvement is what's important. Let's focus on that. The positive side of things, well, that's good. I would expect that, but let's focus on the improvement. You know, how many of us you know, have families or come from families or know of families or, or, or come from cultures that are in, in that nature, right? This idea of mental filtering. It happens a lot. It happens often. And I want you to ask yourself, you know, whether or not you're guilty of this mental filtering. I know plenty of you, uh, plenty of us, you know, have, um, are guilty of mental filtering. And now let's take it up another notch. What about discounting the positive? You know, something really, really good takes place and we completely discount it from the personal side of things, by the way, just as much as the professional side of things, right? Um, you know, Rami, I'm on vacation. I told you I was going to Hawaii. I finally made it, but you know, the hot tub isn't working. What a freaking vacation I'm on. It is horrible. Uh, I cannot believe that, you know, I cannot barbecue outside. They, they forgot to put the propane. Everything is ruined. Rami, you know, out of the five days that I was there, one day there were thunderstorms and the weather was so bad, we couldn't go outside. Oh my gosh. Like it was just, it was just horrible. It was just horrible. I can't believe that that actually happened to me. I've been saving up for so long, awaiting for this vacation. And that one time, right, that one time, this is where we discounted the positive and we just focus on the negative. And it happens so often when we think about you know, even when we actually get feedback at work, right? We get plenty of great feedback. I have so many of my clients that'll tell me, Rami, I got an exceeds expectations and yet I was told I need to communicate more or I need to up-level myself more. And, and all the conversation is on, is fixated on that. And of course, you know, as a coach, you know, I can only go so far. I can never impose, I can only implore, you know, you, uh, my clients, uh, to think a particular way that is not only necessary for them to think, but actually does help them in their future. Um, and so 
many of us, many of us discount that positive. And many of us actually feel a particular way where we get plenty of, uh, of great feedback. I mean, we discount it because we feel a particular way. I mean, imagine this. We are actually basing so much of reality on our thoughts and our, on, on our emotions, right? Because I feel a particular way, it must be that it is a particular way. And this is very negatively skewed when it comes to cognitive distortions, of course. But imagine this, like, I feel a particular way, and therefore the reality is that way. It is totally unfounded, and yet we are all guilty of it. And this comes back down to how it is we woke up, how it is we slept, what it is that we did last night, the information that we continue to receive, uh, the information we are forced at times to supply. All of this skews our emotions and then puts labels at times on a reality that simply is just not true. And, and, it, and it hurts. Uh, not only yours truly when I see it, but it hurts you. You are the one that hurts and suffers the most from this. So discounting the positive is another one, right? And I obviously, 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 for those of you that know me very well, you know, I will always be, you know, looking through a lens of optimism, if anything, cautious optimism and how it is that things, you know, come our way, but discounting something that is positive and being unable to celebrate a success is something truly, truly hurtful to you above all else. You know, how many times do we go through interviews with dream companies and, and, and we fail and we fail. And when we fail, there are many ways, you know, we can obviously regroup and re-strategize and go back after what it is that we want for ourselves. But many of times we, we simply just discount the fact that we had an interview, a final interview with, with a top company. We were sought out after. We had a conversation with someone that we never thought was possible. We were able to secure a role that may not necessarily be fully aligned with what it is that we wanted, but it's a step in the right direction. And so discounting these positives is something that I obviously see time and time again, but it's something that I just want you to be aware of. You know, celebrate your success. Celebrate it in any which way you can, especially when it's small and stack that success on top of others. You know, th this, 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 this form of success stacking when it's small actually makes things much more significant. Look, I mean, we are actively seeking something better for ourselves. Why? Because we know and we believe something better is out there for us. You know, let's not discount that positive. You know, your ability to invest your time you know, you know, your ability to invest your time in, in researching on a company, on a product or a mission or a vision or pro a service, right? People, a culture, right? That resonates with you. And when you find it, even if we cannot attain it, well, you know, it's out there, right? Like, you know, it's out there for you. Whatever it is that we are seeking was already out there to begin with, right? And so that's something that I think is overwhelmingly positive, right? Let's not discount that. Despite the trials and tribulations and the arduous process and the emotional, you know, ups and downs and roller coaster rides, well, let's not discount that we are actually all on such a noble cause. You know, up leveling ourselves at work, 
transitioning to a career that's aligned to our values, to our skills, to our aspirations, to inserting ourselves in a proximity of people where we can learn from, investing in ourselves. These beautiful things that we're actually doing today are, are incredible, right? Let's not discount how far we have come. And let's not discount as well, you know, how far we, much ha we, we have to go. But, but at the same time, recognize at the very, very least how wonderful it is that we are where we are today. So that's on discounting, right? What about another one here? Jumping to conclusions, right? I, I, I see that more often than I would like to jump to conclusions. You know, and they come in the most incredulous forms, by the way. So it's like, you know, jumping to conclusions is this idea, at least a piece of it, under cognitive distortions is like this idea of like mind reading. And, and, and at times, you know, I, I am guilty of that myself. You know, I think we all are. And by the way, we can't fight being human at times, right? And so when I have a client uh, who recently had an interview with who would be her hiring manager and she, and she told me, Rami, you know, the conversation went well, but he kept biting his nails. He kept biting his nails. He couldn't stop biting his nails. And biting his nails just meant to me that he was anxious, he was nervous, he wasn't focused, and the interview didn't go well. Or, and, 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 and that happens a lot. What about, what about times where, you know, someone answers their phone? in an interview or just simply in a meeting, right? I mean, for, for those of you that are trying to reach out to an executive stakeholder or form a steering committee where we can actually have a, a much larger, more impactful influence in the organization where we, we bring about the change that we desire. And yet, after all this time trying to get this meeting with someone who is a decision maker, we find that this person is not focused looking at their phone or actually answering their phone. You know, and it could happen in a meeting, it can certainly happen in an interview. It happens a lot. But this idea of like reading that the fact that this person answered their phone, which meant that we weren't important. We weren't important enough for him or her to ignore their phone just means that this meeting was not successful. What about yawning? How many times, I mean, these days over Zoom or, 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 or Teams or, or Blue Jeans? or WebEx, or Webinar Jam, or, or whatever platform that you use, Google Meet, which I use frequently. I mean, how, how many times, right? How many times do we see someone actually yawn, right? And so then we ask ourselves it, when it comes to cognitive distortions, and that is like, I'm obviously boring. This person yawned. They obviously weren't focused because they were yawning. They were focused on uh, probably eating that roast beef sandwich, you know, over lunch. They were probably focused on getting some rest. Certainly not talking to me, Rami, right? Or what about this one, which is probably more, more common, you know, that I see quite often. And that is like, you know, Rami, I had an interview. It's, it's I, I don't even know what to say. Like, not once did she smile. I smiled, but she never did. I tried to mirror her by her tone, by, by her verbiage, by her language. And I tried to smile just, just to break the ice and it never happened. It was so serious. What does that mean? It, it probably means that I wasn't likable. 
I just wasn't likable. I mean, I smiled and, and she didn't. I just don't get it. Why would she not smile? That probably means that I didn't do well, that she didn't take me seriously enough, or she's just not a nice person, or I'm just not likable. And that happens a lot, right? It just happens a lot. It's like this, like, well, you know, so, so let's go through those. Biting of the nails, answering a phone, yawning, or, or, or someone who didn't smile, right? And all of a sudden we believe that through these instances that we did not succeed in what it is we were out to achieve when it couldn't be further from the truth. We, we just refused to th see things for what they were. And instead we saw them much worse than what they were. We had a negative association with something like this. And you know what? For sometimes, like I, I don't blame someone to have a negative association. I mean, who wants to have a meeting with someone who is biting their nails, yawning, answering their phone, and, and, and perhaps not smiling when you are deliberately trying to smile just to break the ice. But at the same time, these things have no correlation with the actual outcome itself, right? We are choosing to focus on this one thing and jumping to a conclusion that not only does not serve us well, but it actually influences us so negatively that other things in our lives become impacted by association as well. And we're all guilty of this, right? Another big one that, that I get, which is, which is really, really, really difficult at times to overcome because, you know, cognitive distortions can be ingrained and can be habitual at times. This one is one that, you know, I, I hope none of you listening ever fall under because it's very, very hard to get out of. And that is fortune telling, you know, these, this idea of, you know, total false predictions, just predicting these outcomes that have absolutely no association, no correlation to reality at all, right? Like, you know, you just end up feeling a particular way. And because of that feeling and emotion, you predict the actual outcome. So if you're going in, and you're not 100% confident, and you do in fact do your best, you walk out and you say, no, I predict I'm not going to get this. This is not going to happen. It's just, it's just not going to happen. There's no way they would hire someone like me. You know what? You know, after that question that I was asked and the way it was asked to me, I knew right from the get-go I never had a chance. I never had a shot, right? I have clients like this. I have clients that, you know, um, have had a very negative experience years back where they were furloughed or they were laid off because of a particular incident, right? And they chose to continue to focus on this incident. Even some of my clients that actually wouldn't put that role anymore on their resume had this feeling, right, that, that they knew, someone knew about what had happened in this particular incident. Um, and through no fault of their own, this incident had taken place. And yet, and yet, and yet, right? Fortune telling takes over in a negative way and we say, it's just not going to happen. There's no way. Or, you know, for, for many of us at times, I don't deserve this. I'm not going to get this. Other people deserve this much more than I do. Other people must have worked harder. Other people are much smarter. Other people are much more qualified. Other people have been doing this for years. And you know what? It's not going to happen for me. There's just no way this is going to happen for me. So this, this idea of, of fortune telling. And it, it, it is very, very difficult, especially when we are trying to aspire for something better. 
what does it do? It just it just brings us back, you know. Um, m- more recently, I had a client of mine who went through a very very major interview. We still don't even have the response yet, and yet out of one person, one question, for some reason, where her internet cut out allegedly, all of a sudden she predicted that because she didn't hear her, there is no way she's going to get this opportunity, and so this happens. Right. And we, we don't want to fall into this you know, fallacy of cognitive distortions, of using just this one thing to tell an overall story. Right. And then lastly here for cognitive distortions, which is probably the most, you know, uh, I would say I- impactful one uh, th- that I see, uh, one that takes the most difficult time to get out of and one that I've been alluding to all throughout our time together today is emotional reasoning, right? This is probably the the, the biggest one, right? If I feel this way, then it is this way, okay? I'm great at what I do, Rami, but I feel like a fraud, and so I am a fraud. Therefore, I am one. I don't feel successful. Therefore, I am not successful. I don't feel like I really add value. Therefore, I add no value. Therefore, I have no value, right? And that happens very, very often because of, you know, just particular emotions and feelings. And as it relates to our career transition, and as it relates to our careers in general, when we're not feeling good about where we are today, or when we are completely overwhelmed in how it is we reach this point of our lives, typically when it comes to cognitive distortions, it's just negative, right? And we just feel a very, very negative way about our, our life. And therefore, we feel very, very negative about ourselves. And therefore, we feel very, very negative about any possible outcomes. And what we do here, going back to, you know, focus, uh, uh, focus goes where energy flows, you know, we start focusing on all of this negativity, this unfounded negativity that really prevents us from doing anything more positive for ourselves, anything necessary for ourselves to get out of this funk, to get out of this, this peace and part of our lives and into a better place. And so, and sometimes here, by the way, our EQ, as important as it is, our emotional intelligence, as important as it is, it actually plays tricks on us because the way we think at times obviously influences the way that we feel. And the way that we feel influences our actions and our behaviors. So yours truly, you know, when when we're trying to create a new plan of something, I immediately will focus on someone's state first, our emotional state, the necessary emotional state of mind that, that is that is extremely, extremely, extremely fundamental and foundational for anything to be successful. In fact, if you'd like to read even more about this, a, a client of mine, a former client of mine, had posted something um, on LinkedIn sharing a conversation that I had with him on executive coaching. This was actually focused very much on the entrepreneurial side of things, but it very much talks about this idea of having the right state of mind, alluding very much to emotional reasoning. And I'm, I'm sure you'll find that on LinkedIn if, if you and I are, are connected. And it's about a 15-minute read, by the way. Emotional reasoning is, is, is one of the, the largest setbacks we actually have. 
And so when we actually hear these cliche statements, which are in fact not cliche, which is happiness is a choice, well, in fact, it couldn't be actually more true. Happiness certainly is, right? Creating joy for yourself certainly is a choice of ours, right? And our emotional reasoning here, when it comes to cognitive distortions, strips us of this, right? It sabotages it, right? It takes it away. It hijacks a narrative that otherwise would have been extremely positive, or at least positively skewed to one that has an emotional reasoning with no with no foundation with no base right and so just remember you know like it's like this example that i mentioned time and time again at Folsom prison here in california for those of you hearing it for the first time uh, great for those of you that have heard it before i'll be quick with this one you know if we look at you know how many people are granted parole at Folsom Prison here in California, you'll see that most people are granted parole midweek and after lunch. Why is that? Because typically, you know, after lunch, midweek, people feel much better about themselves, meaning these parole officers or grantors or these panel of people, whomever they may be, right? And because of the way they feel, they feel a lot more fondly about a particular case, Right. And so more people are granted parole during that time. In fact, it actually happens a lot of my interview strategy. Right. I would prefer that my clients have interviews not on Mondays, but somewhere like midweek. Right. And particularly sometime after lunch, only because I feel that that would be a good place for someone who is on the receiving end. Right. To like listen to focus, not just on the explicit, but on the implicit, not exact, not 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 particularly nor exactly of what it is that we say, but how it is we make them feel. But emotional reasoning is extremely important. Right. So out of all of these cognitive distortions, right, so what is it that we can do? What what more can we do for ourselves here? Right. And I'm, and I'm going to mention a couple of things that I just want you to focus on. Number one, remember and remember it well, you have a choice. Others may tell you that you don't have a choice. Some voices in your head, you know, may be telling you you don't have a choice. But we always do have a choice. We always have a choice. And so sometimes when we say to ourselves, like, I have to do this, right? I must do this. That, in fact, is a choice. Even if it's positively skewed, remember, it is a choice. You will always have a choice. Always. Right. And, you know, having just two choices is a dilemma. Right. We create a dilemma for ourselves. If it's either this or that, either I'm going to get this or I'm going to succeed or I'm going to be a total failure. That's a cognitive distortion. Right. But even for those that do not suffer from cognitive distortions or do not feel cognitive distortions more than others do. Remember that two choices still create a dilemma. Three choices, three choices are when we actually truly do have options, right? Three choices are when we do have options. And so remember though, you always have a choice, right? And so ask yourself, how is this thought process or how is it that I'm feeling today helping me in any way? And I talk about narrative time and time again, over and over again, and this very much feeds into the narrative here. But remember to ask yourself, right? How is this thought, how is this emotion in fact, how is this action helping me in any way? And so when we do audits at times, you know, we need to figure out like what it is that we're, we're supplying and we're receiving. 
And when we think about how it is we want to align ourselves to what it is that we want, at the very, very least, what we could do here is just write down certain activities that we truly do believe are aligned with what it is that we want, and then activities that we're doing today that don't align to that at all, right? But this comes back to our state, right? And our state is a choice. It's an absolute choice. Make no mistake about it. You know, it is a choice, most especially, most especially in the long term. Secondly, you know, I say this time and time again, see things as they are, you know, and here, you know, control these things and control these thoughts and emotions by not allowing yourself to see things that are worse than what they are. And in fact, you know, you being here today listening to me, right, I would only hope, I would only hope that you are able to see things better than what they are. But at the very, very least, see things for what they are. We're going into an interview. We don't have a job. Well, we're going into an interview. We have an opportunity to acquire one. See things as they are. We're not happy where it is that we are today at work. Well, welcome to the club of millions of your fellow compatriots, right? A lot of people, most people that I know, and there's no science, of course, behind this that I'm aware of, but I will bet on it, are not truly happy where it is that they are today. In fact, most, and here's where the science will prove it, will say that they're overworked and yet underutilized. And most, as I've mentioned before, will say that life is short and that life is hard. So if that's the case, at the very, very least, see things as they are and not worse than what they are. And you will be much better off. You'll be much better off in the least bit as you go in to your next conversation, your next interaction, your next presentation, your next interview, your next scripted communication, whatever it is, see things as they are and your life will be so much better. This I promise you. Number three, sometimes you can help yourself and just recognize that you're simply human, you know? And, uh, and like a lot of people <laughs> that you see around you that are also human, that are right there in front of you, you know, just remember that this is life. Life unfolds in front of us. As I said, you know, earlier in our conversation today, you know, I, I no longer wish for things to happen as I want them to be, right? I no longer wish for events to happen as I want them to. I wish for events to happen as they simply will, right? And at times, you know, of course, I want something to have a positive outcome. You know, when my clients are going into an interview or presenting themselves for a promotion or even pitching a particular product, right? I want a positive outcome. I would wish for a positive outcome. But in order to remain sane, stable, well, and in a good state of mind that is necessary for me to succeed and for that of my clients, of course, which is most important, just want to recognize that we are, in fact, human right? And that we do have these emotions that may be negative at times, may be adverse at times, that we do things knowingly that do not help us. Well, you know, welcome to the club. It's just being human. So don't be too hard on yourself. You know, for most of us, you know, our worst enemy is ourselves, right? And that's just a, just a fact. It's, it's just a fact. So recognize that you're human, course, celebrate that you're human too. Recognize that you're human. And at times, don't be so hard on yourself. If like, if I'm feeling this way, it doesn't mean that I am this way. 
I'm just feeling this way because I'm human. Something took place, something happened that made me feel a particular way. Let me just take a look at that and understand why it is. And I'm not asking anyone, anyone to dismiss a particular feeling. All I would hope is that we replace that feeling with a more primary emotion that is much more significant and that helps us much more as we seek to achieve career alignment and as we seek to achieve these aspirations that we hold near and dear to our hearts, just like our values. Number four, recognize that your negative emotions can actually be strengths too. This is a big one, right? Recognizing that your negative emotions can actually be your positive strengths too. Well, how on earth can we wrap our our heads around that one? So here's an idea for you. When you feel like you don't add any value and therefore if I don't add value, I have no value. Well, reverse that for a moment and think to yourself like, I feel this way because I actually want to add value, right? So if I feel that I'm not adding value and I feel that therefore I cannot add value, therefore I have no value, that is obviously a cognitive distortion, which is what we're talking about obviously today, right? It's a fallacy. It's just simply not true, right? But if you do in fact feel this way at times, because we can't fight being human, right? We just can't fight being human at times. Sometimes we feel like I'm not adding any value. What am I doing here? Like there's just nothing here for me. I don't feel like I'm doing anything, right? Of significance, of value. doesn't mean that we invertedly now feel about ourselves that we have no value, that we're really adding no value. Therefore, we, 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 we're, 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 well, I don't want to mention an, an extreme term here. I'm not going to go there, but I think you get where I'm going with this, right? If we reverse that, right? We say like, well, if I'm feeling this way, it means that I actually want to add value. It means that value is actually very important to me. It means that I truly do want value. It means that I am actually capable of adding value. See how we did that? We're actually using a negative emotion, right? A negative thought, a negative feeling, and we're actually turning it into the positive. And this is how we don't shun our negative emotions and our thoughts. This is how we recognize them, but we actually replace them with something positive that becomes primary. So remember here, You know, just because negativity comes, just because the negativity effects gets to us, it doesn't mean we have to ignore it, especially when it comes down to our personal values and our contributions. If we feel negatively towards something and we start feeling negatively towards ourselves for it, well, ask ourselves, ask yourself, that negativity thought, that thought of negativity actually is a positive. If I'm not feeling that I'm actually adding value, well, that should not be a negative emotion. In fact, you know, well, it is, but in fact, it could be a very much a positive emotion. I'm going to find a way to add value because if I feel like I'm not adding value, that means I want to add value, right? And it means I'm actually capable of adding value. So remember here, recognize the fact that your negative emotions can actually be a positive strength too. And I've seen this time and time again, when we actually look at, you know, a lot of us um, who are in a particular funk, in a particular state, a particular phase of our lives, where there's a lot of these negative emotions, like, am I really going to get where I want to be? Am I really going to achieve that alignment that I'm looking for? Is there that holy grail that's out there for myself? I mean, is there really that? What am I doing this all for, right? And these negative emotions, right, start start stirring up, 
start becoming top of mind. But those negative emotions very much are positive ones too. The fact that we think about these things means that there is a positive underlining to them. And that is a very beautiful and a very powerful thing I would implore you to explore further. Recognizing that your negative emotions are actually and can actually, I'm going to skew more on the are actually, but let's just say we see things as they are and we say can actually be your positive strengths too. In fact, they could actually be your superpower. It's not amazing. It's a beautiful thing. It's just a different way of looking at things. When we look at things differently, we see things differently, we think about things differently, we start generating better emotions for ourselves. And that's, of course, what it is that I want for you, of course, right? I mean, there's no question about that. And lastly, which is probably the most profound thing that I want to share with you today, and I truly hope you take this with you forever, forever and forever, and that's how profound it actually is. Remember that fear is the product of hope, right? We cannot have fear if we didn't have hope. And this is not to conflate, you know, our time together today, you know, fear versus negativity. They're very different things here, right? We can be fearful of something, but we could be also positively skewed towards it. We could also be negatively skewed towards it, right? But just remember fear. The only reason we have fear is because we have hope. Fear comes from hope. Fear is the stepchild, <laughs> whichever sort of child, or if you want to look at an, an organizational chart, fear, fear reports it to hope. <laughs> fear will always report, report it to hope. You, you, we cannot have fear if we didn't have hope. So if you have fear and you're afraid, I want you to be grateful. I want you to recognize that as an actual success, right? Because you, you wouldn't be able to have fear had you not had hope. Fear comes from hope. And, and let's not forget that. And, and I, and I want to sort of like repeat, you know, you know, what, what Seneca said a while back again here. And that is, you know, it truly is true. You know, truly is true. Um, we are more often frightened than hurt. And we suffer more from imagination than from reality. And it, and it couldn't be more true. It, it couldn't be more true. I implore you to think about that. That is a beautiful thing, you know, to, to take a look at at face value because there are so many cognitive distortions we find ourselves in, these fallacies, these, these things that are not based on reality, but simply based on how it is that we feel. And in our career transitions um, and in our work today and what it is that we do, there's so much going on, right? There's always something going on. There's always something new you know, that, that, that comes our way, we, we, especially for those of us that are great at what it is that we do, right? For those of us that are great at what we do, we find ourselves doing more and more of those things when at times we want to focus on something completely different, right? But do not conflate the way you feel with reality. You know, just, just don't do it. It's logical, right? I mean, when I, when I say it this way, I'm sure that most of you agree with that statement. And yet we do that. But remember, remember, right? I mean, there, there are total ways around this, right? And we talked about a few of those today, and there are many, right? You know, but, but these are sort of like, let's say, fundamental ones that I just want you, you know, as your host and coach here today, 
to think about. Remember, you have a choice, number one. You know, others may tell you you don't, but you simply do, right? Remember, how is this actually helping me in any way? Think about those things. See things as they are, you know, control these things by not allowing yourself to see things worse than what it is that they are. Number three, right? Sometimes you can help yourself just by recognizing that you're human, right? Recognize that you're human. Help yourself in this way. Number four, recognize that your negative emotions can actually be your positive strengths too. If I were to double click on anything, right? Other than number, number five, which you know what I'm going to say, you know, it would be just that, right? Uh, recognize that your negative emotions can actually be, and most often are, right? Your positive strengths too, your, your superpower even, right? And then lastly, remember that fear, fear itself it comes from hope. Fear is the product, is a subset, reports into hope. So the next time you're afraid of whatever it is that's coming your way, just be grateful, you know, that you actually are afraid because you wouldn't be afraid if you weren't hopeful to begin with. If you've gotten this far in my podcast, I'm hoping that means that you love my coaching content. If you'd like to continue the journey with me on a much deeper, personal, and immersive level, please visit my website at ramibalut.com and schedule a 45-minute real talk session with me. You can also enroll my online program at theworkingant.com and join me for five months of weekly live group coaching where you can ask me your questions live in a group coaching setting. Use code PODCAST for an incredible discount at checkout. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Your career fulfillment is so important to me. You deserve nothing less than that. I truly hope you take what we talked about today and use it deliberately, practically, and strategically to accelerate your next career transition, conversation, or simply just to nourish your personal and professional life. If you'd like to receive periodic content from me, please visit ramibalut.com and register for my mailing list by signing up to receive your free ebook, which by the way, is an awesome ebook, if I may say. Until next time, this is your host and coach, Rami Balut, signing off for today's podcast on The Working Ant. Remember, if not you, then who? If not now, then when?